Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie where you can still today use our exclusive promo code UGA when you sign up for a brand new account at mybookie.ag to get a fantastic 100% sign-up bonus on that initial deposit. So make sure to bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. I'm Tyler, and today, guys, I'm going to get right down to business. Look, I know that Bulldog Nation at large is not viewing this game on the road in Starkville against Mississippi State as as big of a game as last week was. The hype just isn't there. It's non-existent. And I get it. I really do. I understand where that's coming from. I know the buildup that we saw here in, in the Classic City. I mean, I live in Athens. I saw it firsthand here in town, the buildup for that game against Tennessee. Even if you don't live in Athens, you don't have to live here to see it. You guys heard about it. You watched it. You listened to it all last week. And this week, well, for the most part, it's crickets, man, but not for me and not here on this podcast because I am all in on this game. I want to remind you guys, back I think it was like the very first week of July, I did an episode where I was ranking each game on our schedule based on my perception of their difficulty, right? So number one was the most difficult game, number two is the second most difficult, so on and so forth. Well, some of you listened to that. I hope all of you did. But for those of you who might not have, who are newer listeners to the show this year, I had this game, Mississippi State in Starkville and Kentucky next week in Lexington, one and two, as the two most difficult games on our schedule. And I said very clearly on that episode, that ranking had nothing to do with me saying that Mississippi State or Kentucky were the best teams that we were going to play this year. I felt that both Tennessee and Oregon would be better teams than Mississippi State and Kentucky. More than anything, those rankings, having Mississippi State at number two and Kentucky at number one, were based on situation and circumstance, where those games fell on the schedule and where they were going to be played. And to this day, I maintain that this is going to be a test, a challenge for our team to go into Starkville, into Davis Wade Stadium, and beat Mississippi State. Again, it has nothing to do with talent level. We are 
clearly a thousand percent more talented. That is unquestionable. If we go in there and we play to our standard, our A game, we will empty that stadium out by halftime. But that's if. That's a big if. Situationally, circumstance-wise, I have concerns. And here's why. This is the most classic trap game setting in the history of the world. Here we are coming into this game on the road in Starkville off of two wins against two of our biggest rivals. Florida being our biggest rival. I know they're not great this year. Still a big rivalry game in Jacksonville. And last week, I mean, could a game possibly be any more hyped? It was the most rare of occurrences. One versus one with out-of-this-world hype. Guys, that was the most watched college football game of the season. That game last week, Georgia versus Tennessee, it outrated Game 6, the clinching game of the World Series. So yeah, kind of a big deal, right? And then because of our awesome performance in that highly hyped game, we are now ranked number one in the Coswell playoff. And then you look at Mississippi State on the other side. Well, last week, yeah, they beat Auburn, but they squandered a 21-point lead before coming back to win late in overtime against the Tigers last week. And we're on the road in a place that no one on the team has ever played. Even Stetson Bennett, the 37-year-old quarterback that we have, has not ever played in Starkville, Mississippi. And look, it's not a big stadium, but it is a passionate fan base who's allowed to cheat with their little cowbells. Not one single player on our roster has ever experienced that. And for the last five days, you've got every single person and their brother out there feeding you rat poison after rat poison after rat poison. And what do you have? You have a trap game extraordinaire. And then on top of that, while Mississippi State, not a great team, absolutely, I'm not sitting here trying to sell you on the idea, and we'll go through this team, offense, defense, the personnel, scheme, all that stuff. When you get done with this episode, you're not going to be sitting back saying, oh, well, Tyler told me this team is the best team we've ever played. No, that's not what I'm telling you. They're not a great team, but they're good. They are good enough and different enough also offensively to jump up and bite you if you walk in arrogant and unfocused and let what happened last week get to your head to the point where you're playing undisciplined and you play beneath your standard. I told you guys earlier in the year, especially at the South Carolina game, that I was completely 100% cured of old Georgia syndrome. Well, The Missouri game sent me back into a relapse, and I've been trying to recover from it ever since then to get back into remission, but I'm not all the way there yet. And this game concerns me. I'm not going to use the scared word. It doesn't scare me because we are better than them, a lot better than them. But it does concern me, again, because of the situation and the circumstances surrounding this game. Hell, we already saw it once this year on the road at Missouri, and I believe that Mississippi State is a good bit better than Missouri is. So no, you might not be that hyped about this game. The average Georgia fan might not be that hyped about this game. I know they're not, but I am. I'm ready, guys. I am ready for this game. I'll be there in town in Starkville. I'm not super excited about being in Starkville because, I mean, it's Starkville, but I'll be there. I'll have their back, and uh, we're going to try to get this thing done. But let's go ahead and and start this actual preview talking about this team. And once again this week, I'm sorry if you guys like our traditional normal preview format. I like it. I think it's nice and clean. It's organized. It's structured. I like all those things. But once again this week, I'm going to stray from that usual game preview format because this is just such a unique team to preview. And there's a lot that I want to go into. So I hope that doesn't bother you guys. But I want to start, before we get into this actual team, players, personnel, all that stuff, I want to 
start with a quick overview of the air raid because that's the one thing that everyone already comes into this game knowing, right? Like even if you've never watched Mississippi State at all this year, haven't seen him a single snap, you know well, it's Mike Leach. Mike Leach is an air raid guy, right? Like that that's a college football buzzword, the air raid. You know that. But what exactly does the air raid entail? Now, I have talked about this on the show before, so I'm not going to go into crazy detail. I did an entire off-season episode during our scheme theme month detailing the air raid in depth because I knew that we were going to be playing Mississippi State this year. I want to give you guys an early primer on that. So you can still go listen to that. I think it was back in, I want to say June. Look for like scheme theme, the air raid explain. I think that was the title, something like that. But for those of you who are new to the show or missed that one, I'll give you a quick little overview here. Again, I don't want to go into crazy depth here because I do have a lot of things I actually want to say about this particular Mississippi State team. But I do just want to give you a quick overview. And again, if you want more information, you can go listen to that episode. Or you can also read a book called The Perfect Pass by a guy named S.C. Gwynn. He's a, a historical author. Uh, a couple of books he's written that are really popular, Empire of the Summer Moon, Rebel Yell, which was about Stonewall Jackson. But this was a history of the air raid offense. And it primarily followed Hal Mummy, who's like the the originator of the air raid offense. And then, of course, Mike Leach is heavily involved in that book as well because he was kind of like the protege of Hal Mummy. And it's a fantastic book. So I, I would strongly recommend that if you're into reading, into football, into history. It, it's very, very cool. But the most basic thing to understand about the air raid in reality is that it really just began with one idea and then kind of developed into a bunch of interrelated principles and concepts. And foremost among those principles and concepts is the idea of space. Now, I'm going to tell you later on that this Mississippi State offense is not really all that similar to the Tennessee offense that we just played, despite what a lot of people think. But here is one big similarity, space, okay? Space is one of like the conceptual underpinnings of the air raid in general. And Tennessee's offense is an offshoot of the air raid. It's a very different offshoot of what Mike Leach runs, but it it's base is in the air raid, right? In that scheme. And one of the conceptual underpinnings of the air raid is that the field is is big, man. The field is big and there's just so much space out there that in fact, there's too much space for like a zone defense to cover everything. And then against man defenses, man coverages, there are different things that you can do to create separation for your receivers, like pick plays, right? What defenses would call pick plays or what offenses would call rub routes that originated in the air raid. Like it's become all in vogue now, but that started back in the day with How Mummy and Mike Leach. And so with all these ideas in mind, the idea is that a receiver should be open on every single play. If you do everything right, the receiver runs the right route, reads the defense correctly, if the quarterback reads everything correctly, and you've put the ball on the receiver accurately, there should be a receiver open on every single play. And yes, like Tennessee, part of the spacing component of the air raid system is to actually spread wider receivers out much further from the line of scrimmage than they traditionally are. And, and that is part of it, but it's so much more than that. It's not just about wide receiver splits. It's also about once you get the receiver spread out, you maximize the space out there available to you with a combination. You got vertical stretch, you got horizontal stretches into all that space that just really make it impossible for the defense to be right if they're playing zone coverage. No matter what zone coverage you're in, cover two, cover three, cover four, it does not matter because there are beaters, zone beaters built into every one of these concepts, every one of these plays, as long as, again, the receivers and the quarterbacks are on the same page, they read it correctly, there should be somebody open. And then there's simplicity. That's another one of these base ideas underpinning the air raid offense. Like the average fan, I really believe, at least like when you hear him talk, when they say air raid, it's kind of like what I was saying about Tennessee's offense last last week. Everyone, you know, all season long is talking about how great this Tennessee offense is, how they're difficult to stop. And along with that, they had this idea 
that Tennessee's offense was really complex and exotic and so tough to stop. And people view the air raid in general that way. But that is 100% false. Like It could not be further from the truth. It's actually the exact opposite. That's what makes the air raid so effective. It's simple. It's so insanely simple, guys. You could literally just find a guy off the street and say, hey, man, here's a couple concepts. You can draw them up in the dirt there. Like the old school, draw the play up in the dirt. That's basically what they're doing. It's designed to be very, very simple. I mean, the idea is that technique and execution of those small handful of plays are far more important than the scheme itself. And like, once you rep those small handful of plays so much, the offense is just simply going to out-execute the defense because that's what they do. And then the other kind of cool thing about it is, it's not cool for us, but if you run the air raid, you this is what you do, right? Offensively, you run this very different kind of system and you rep it and rep it and rep it and rep it at practice to the point that you kind of mastered it. Well, defenses, usually when they play an air raid, like a true Mike Leach air raid offense, they play defensively, like schematically, they play it very differently. And so you're always going to be at the advantage offensively because you're doing what you do. And the defense is not doing what they normally do. It's something very different that they might have repped. You know, obviously that we can practice. And maybe if you're smart, you spend a couple periods um, during your bye week or maybe during fall camp or spring practice working on it. But you don't rep what you're doing defensively against Mississippi State as much as Mississippi State reps what they do offensively. And that gives them an advantage. And then the last core idea of the area that I'm going to talk about today, and there's more of them, guys, but I'm just giving you, again, a quick overview. But the, the last core idea that we're going to talk about here on the show is balance. Now, I know when you hear a football coach talk about balance, when you hear fans talk about a balanced offense, what you're usually referring to is, okay, we're evenly split 50-50 between run and pass. And that is balance. That's one way to view balance, right? That's not how... Mike Leach or traditional air raid guys view balance. It's not about 50-50 split between run and pass. They want to be balanced, but balanced in their definition, on their terms. And how they define balance is equally distributing the ball to all of your skill players. And also on top of that, equally distributing the ball to all parts of the field. The basic idea is like if if you know defensively as a defensive coordinator that I'm gonna hand I'm gonna turn around and hand the ball off to a running back 20 times a game, and then my slot receiver might get three or four touches a game, well, you are far more predictable and thereby easier to defend. Mike Leach views balance as okay, I'm gonna give the ball seven times to my running back, seven times to my slot receiver, seven times to my X, seven times to my Y, seven times to my Z. So you don't really know who is getting the ball on any given step. It could be any of those guys based on how the defense defends them. That's balance in the traditional sense with an air raid and Mike Leach style offense. And that is why, as we'll get into in a minute here, they currently have eight players offensively who have over 200 yards receiving. That is balance to Mike Leach. So there you go. There's a quick little overview of the air raid and its kind of conceptual underpinnings. And I will get into this specific Mississippi State team, their personnel, their numbers, their tendencies, what they like to do, what they struggle with, all of that stuff here in just a moment. But first, I do quickly want to remind you guys about our good friends once again at MyBookie. I have had my two best betting weekends of the entire college football season the past two weeks, guys, and it wouldn't have been possible without MyBookie. We are now getting to the point in the college football season where you have seen most of these teams play, most of them multiple times, so you know who's good, you know who's not. 
It's time to put that knowledge to the test and earn yourself some money by going to mybookie.ag, signing up for a brand new account, use the promo code UGA, and whatever it is you deposit, whatever you feel comfortable with, they will double, and you have twice the money to actually go out and earn some cash with. So don't wait any longer, guys. Go ahead. Do it now. Mybookie.ag, promo code UGA, and bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into this specific 2022 Mississippi State football team. And of course, let's start with their offense because when you talk about Mike Leach, you're talking about the air raid, you're talking offensive football. So let's open there. And look, I, I know I spent a few minutes there when I was kind of giving you the overview of the air raid, kind of explaining how Tennessee's offense and Mississippi State's offense, they're both kind of air raid-ish. So like conceptually, there's some similarities, but in reality, outside of some of those like conceptual underpinnings, there are a lot of differences between the Tennessee offense and the Mississippi State offense. Because this is not your daddy's air raid offense. Mike Leach has evolved and made some significant adjustments to what he has traditionally done, whether it was at Kentucky when he was the OC, whether it was at Oklahoma back in the day when he was the OC, whether it was at Texas Tech or Washington State as the head coach. This is a very different version of the Mike Leach air raid offense. The basic ideas and principles are still the same, but how it actually operates in in reality, out there on the field, is different now. They do still lead the league in both passing attempts and passing completions. That is still plan one, plan two, and plan three. It's option one, option two, option three. I mean, really, it's not even close. So Mississippi State has 448 attempts on the year. We're actually second, believe that or not, contrary to popular belief, but we only have 325 passing attempts on the year. So that's what, about a 125-ish attempt difference between number one, number two, that's a big gap. So they are far and away the team that is most pass happy in the SEC. Still, that's still the reality for them. And as I mentioned, they have eight guys with over 200 yards receiving on the year. Ra-Ra Thomas is their best receiver. Um, He's got 540 yards on the year, but it's not even just about numbers. When you watch them play, Ra-Ra Thomas, he is their most physically gifted receiver. But Caleb Ducking, Jaden Wally, 
Justin Robinson, right? Used to be on our team. Now he transferred to Mississippi State. Those guys can all make plays as well. Tulu Smith. In fact, the guy that I think is like when they really need a play, like when it's third down and they need a conversion, the guy they really like to go to is a guy named Austin Williams. He's not a dynamic receiver. He's really not. He's number 85 when you watch him play on Saturday. He's got 24 catches for 224 yards and four touchdowns on the year, only averaging 9.3 yards per reception. So he's not a dynamic receiver at all. But when they need a play, you talk about like your ultimate possession receiver, when you need someone to like just actually convert a first down, a sure-handed guy that, that Will Rogers, at quarterback, can lean on, Austin Williams, in my opinion, seems to be the guy that he trusts the most in those situations. So yes, they still like to throw the ball a lot. Again, they are first in the league, far and away first in the league with 448 pass attempts on the season. They are actually second in passing offense, which is kind of unusual. They usually are leading the league in whatever league they're in under Mike Leach. Obviously, Tennessee is doing that this year because they've been lights out, but they're still averaging 325 yards a game through the air. Here's the thing though, second in passing offense, 325 yards a game but they are dead last in the SEC in yards per attempt. They are only averaging 6.5 yards per attempt. They will paper cut you to death, guys. And this is one of the big changes. I'm talking about the evolution of Mike Leach's air raid offense. This is the biggest evolution. They have come to terms with taking the checkdowns. Will Rogers, when he first got the, the starting job back in 2020, you know, we played him. It was one of his first games as a starting quarterback for Mississippi State. When he first got the job, he would force the ball into some windows where the ball did not need to be forced into against that drop eight coverage. Well, now they have become very content with taking the checkdowns, whether it's the running back, whether it's a quick hitch, whether it's a short mesh route, they will take those checkdowns and paper cut their way down the field. They've come to terms with that. In fact, they are one of the least explosive offenses in the SEC. When you think air raid, you do not think least explosive offenses in the SEC. When you think air raid, you think explosion, fireworks. That's what you think, right? You think Tennessee's offense. Well, no, nah, not, not this Mississippi State offense. They are actually dead last in plays of 40 or more yards in the season. Guys, they've only got three. Three plays through nine games over 40-plus yards on the year. Tennessee has 22. Now, they lead the league, but they have 22. So when I tell you that the Mississippi State offense and the Tennessee offense are different, that's what I'm talking about. They're just, yeah, the, the idea is the same, but the execution is different. And then if you look at plays of 30 or more yards, they are 12th in the SEC in plays of 30 or more yards. They've only got 15 on the year. Tennessee, again, has 36. And the Mississippi State's only 10th in the SEC in plays of 20 or more yards. They've only got 38 plays in the year of 20 or more yards. Guys, we're actually number one in that category. People don't want to believe that, but we are. We have 59 plays of 20 or more yards. Tennessee has 55. So, no, this is not your daddy's air raid offense. They are not just chucking the ball willy-nilly down the field. Their modus of operandi, in fact, is the opposite of Tennessee's. And then on top of that, not only when they throw the ball are they taking like these little paper cut routes, they're also running the ball far more than they really ever have under Mike Leach. So this year, they still throw it 69% of the time. That's still a lot. They're still pass-heavy. I'm not trying to tell you otherwise. They are still extraordinarily pass-heavy, more so than any team in the SEC. But compare that to last year. They threw the ball 72.2% of the time last year. Compare that to 2020 where they threw the ball 73.1% of the time. So they are slowly but surely becoming more comfortable 
and more willing to run the football when the defense dictates that based on how they are defending this Mississippi State offense. I mean, this year they are averaging 22.7 rush attempts per game compared to 20.8 last year and only 18.5 in 2020. And 2020 is really what caused Mike Leach to have to make the adjustment because teams were were basically just dropping eight into coverage and the quarterback's trying to fit the balls into tight windows and it wasn't working. They weren't taking the underneath stuff. But now he's like, all right, guys, we're just going to have to take what the defense gives us. And defenses, by and large, are giving them the short passing routes and the run game. And when they run the ball, it's very rarely a called run play. Yes, they're running the ball 22, almost 23 times a game this year. But, I mean, I don't know for sure. If I had to venture a guess, I would say Mike Leach probably calls fewer than five actual running plays a game. Like when he when he sends a play in there, right, with this very small, like, sticky note size play sheet that is characteristic of the air raid offense— when he's sending those plays in, I would say probably five or fewer plays a game or actual called running plays from the coach. But Will Rogers, who is now in his third year operating this system as the quarterback and who's gotten very good at it, very comfortable in this offense, he's been given a lot of freedom to make those checks at the line of scrimmage. It's still a very simple check. I mean, he's not having to do crazy stuff pre-snap. He's basically just doing a box count. And if the box is light, if they feel like they have even numbers or the numbers advantage in the box, so basically if you only have five defenders in the box, he's going to check to a run the vast majority of the time and just take what you're giving them there and try to paper cut their way down the field. And they actually have a a pretty nice one-two punch at running back. I actually think these guys are good players. Dylan Johnson and Woody Marks, the guy, Jaquavius Marks, goes by Woody Marks. Dylan Johnson um, is the guy who's got better numbers. 71 rushes for 406 yards in the season. He's been banged up the past couple weeks. Woody Marks, 77 rushes, 357 yards. You see what I'm talking about? Balance guys, right? It's not so much run pass. It's, okay, are we evenly splitting the numbers between all of our skill options? And Dylan Johnson, Woody Marks, case in point. But it's not just what they do in the run game. Like Dylan Johnson, Woody Marks, they're also heavily involved in the passing game. They have 72 catches for 424 yards combined. But wait, let, let's do the math there. You know, I'm not a math guy, but I'm going to pull up my trusty little calculator here and do the math real quick. That comes out to 5.8 yards per catch. That is this offense in a nutshell. No one on the roster, not, even the receivers, have really big yards per catch numbers because that's not what this offense does anymore, largely based on how defenses defend them. But back to the run game real quick. They are more willing to run the football, but they're still not especially good at it. They are still dead last in the SEC in rushing. They're only averaging 80.6 yards per game on the ground. And yeah, I hear you. You're saying, well, Tyler, that's probably because they just don't run the ball that much. I mean, 22 rushes a game is still not a lot. So that's why they don't have these high rushing totals. Okay, hear you. But here's this. They're also 13th in the SEC in yards per rush, only averaging 3.54 yards per rush. So they don't run the ball a lot. And when they do, they're not really hitting chunk plays. They're getting about three and a half yards a carry. And this is what I talk about when I say making a team play left-handed. That's not really what Mississippi State wants to do. They're more willing to run the ball and to take these short routes, but that's not really what they want to do. But as a defense, you have to try to force them into doing it. They're going to do something, right? You can't take away everything. So a lot of defenses are just gambling. It's like, you know what? Like, you know, we're just going to give you this. Like, and if you can run the ball down our throats and win the game that way, then cool. Like, tip of the cap to you. But we're just going to gamble on the idea that you're not going to be able to do that well enough to be able to actually beat us. But Mississippi State is willing to to adjust and to take all that short stuff. So it's very interesting when you think about the the perception of the air raid and the reality of the air raid in this day and age, this like current iteration of the air raid. You know, last year, I don't think anyone knows this. 
it's not something that they that they publicize or anyone really talks about because it's, it's Mississippi State, right? I get it. But guys, last year, Mississippi State, yes, Mike Leach and his vaunted air raid offense, they led the SEC in time of possession. They were top 10 nationally in time of possession. No, not a service academy, not Paul Johnson's Georgia Tech offense. No, Mike Leach and his air raid were top 10 nationally in time of possession last year and led the SEC. This year, they're not as strong in that category. They're fifth in the league in time of possession, but that's not because they're doing things differently. They're still running the ball when it's given to them. They're still taking their short routes. This year, I think it's more because they're not near as efficient offensively as they were last year. You know, last year, they were second in the league with 26 first downs per game. This year, they're seventh with only 23 first downs per game. Now, I know that's what you're like, well, Tyler, that's only like three first downs difference. Well, guys, if you move the chains three times more a game, that's running more and more clock. You're chewing more clock. You're possessing the football more and more, and they're just not as efficient offensively. They're also 11th in the, in the, in the conference in yards per play. They're only averaging 5.6 yards per play, guys. It's not an efficient offense. It's just not. And then completion percentage-wise, Will Rogers is still really, really good at quarterback. But last year, he was 73.9% with his completion percentage. This year, only 68. Still really high, relatively speaking, but a pretty significant step down from where they were last year. So they're just not as efficient offensively. But what, what we see here, the fact remains, is that Mike Leach's air raid offense has evolved. It has evolved into a clock-chewing Take what the defense gives us, inflict death by a thousand paper cuts offense because they've had to based on how teams defended them when Mike Leach came in the league back in 2020 with that drop eight stuff. Now, before I move on to how I would go about defending this Mississippi State offense, I do want to throw one more thing at you. And this is one way that they actually are similar to Tennessee. There's a lot of differences between these two offenses, but here's one similarity. Both of these offenses, both these head coaches, Tennessee and Mississippi State. They have a proclivity to go for it on fourth down. There's a very high tolerance for risk. Tennessee has gone for it on fourth down 24 times. That leads the SEC. Mississippi State, Mike Leach, right behind them with 23 fourth down attempts. In fact, Mississippi State has converted 60% of those fourth down attempts. And sometimes it works out for them, sometimes it doesn't. Now, if you go back and look at the Alabama game, they got blown out in that game, right? 30 to 6. If you just look at the box score, you're like, man, like they, they just got blown out. That's what happens. Alabama versus Mississippi State, of course. Well, if you actually watch that game, the first half, Mississippi State, I would argue, kind of outplayed Alabama for most of the first half. What hurt them in that game, number one, they don't really have a kicker, which we'll talk about in a second, but they went for it multiple times on fourth down, kind of what like LSU did against Tennessee, and that didn't work so well, kind of backfired. And they didn't convert them. They did not convert them early in that game against Alabama. And Alabama was able to take advantage of those opportunities and score some points and get out to a little bit of a lead. Even though I would argue, if you take it by a play-by-play scenario, I actually think that Mississippi State largely outplayed Alabama in the first half of that game. The score would betray that and, and, and certainly mislead you, but not converting those fourth downs kind of skewed the final score and the, everyone's perception of how that game went. Guys, they held Alabama to under 300 yards of offense in that game, but you look at the score, 30 to 6, like, oh, Alabama won easily, right? I mean, yeah, I guess the final score, the margin, but it wasn't that easy, especially in the first half. Mississippi State just had that high tolerance for risk, went for it on fourth down quite a few times, and just didn't convert. And it hurt them in that scenario. 
And then as I just mentioned a second ago, kind of exacerbating Mike Leach's innate tolerance for risk is their horrific field goal kicking situation. It is a problem, guys. It was bad last year. It cost them multiple games last year. The Arkansas game, I think, is the most glaring example. They had that game one in Fayetteville, and God, they just missed kick after kick after kick and easy field goals. And they thought they had solved it this year. They went out and got a transfer guy, but they're bad again this year. They're only converting on 63% of their field goal opportunities, which is 109th nationally. In fact, it's so bad, they've only attempted 11 field goals on the year. Like They're to the point most of the time now where it's like, uh, like we're just not going to try to do that because they're not good at it. So when you have a bad kicker and the, the situation is what it is with field goals, you are going to be more apt to go for it because, I mean, what's the alternative? So there is my breakdown of the Mississippi State offense. I will come back in just a moment and explain to you how I would go about defending this offense. But first, let me tell you guys about our friends at Alumni Hall. I knew this trip to Starkville was coming up and I knew it was probably going to be pretty chilly because I knew it was going to be a night game. And yeah, it's going to be like in the 30s. So I did go in last week and got myself a nice new Nike jacket that will keep me nice and warm. As I sit there inside Davis Wade Stadium trying to cheer on our dogs to hopefully another victory. So make sure to stop in today or check it out online, guys. They have all this great fall apparel in stores for you guys. Seems like they're getting more and more every single week. So check it out online at alumnihall.com or in stores here in the Classic City inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Okay, guys, let's move along here and let's talk about how to defend this Mississippi State offense. And this is one of the things when I've gone back through these games and done my film study, even when I was watching these games the first time throughout the year, I did it all with the eye towards how do we defend this offense? What is the best way to go about slowing them down and forcing them to play left-handed, which as I always tell you, is really at the core of what a defense coordinator is trying to do when you come up with a game plan. And the initial answer to defending this Mississippi State offense when Mike Leach first entered the league back in 2020 during the COVID year was to drop eight. Famously, that first game of the year, if you remember back, guys, so LSU 2019 coming off the national championship, they're riding high, the defending national champions, first game they play is at home against Mississippi State, and what did they do in that game? Bo Pelini, right, new coordinator in 2020 for them on the defense side of the ball, and they tried to light up KJ Costello and just blitz, 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 and they were the ones that actually end up getting lit up to the tune of an SEC passing record, 623 yards in a single game by KJ Costello. 
And that was Mike Leach's grand entrance into the SEC. So that obviously got everyone's attention. People didn't realize that time LSU was going to be a train wreck in 2020, which they were. But everyone's looking at LSU saying, well, okay, this is a defending national champion. I know they lost a lot of players, but they're still a really talented team. And you're playing Mike Leach and his air raid at home. And they just put up 623 yards on you? Okay, uh, what did you do? Because let's not do that. And what LSU did was bring five and six guys consistently, and they just never let up. Like They just never learned throughout the entire game, and Costello just kept lighting them up, play after play after play, again, to the tune of 623 yards en route to a 44-34 victory in Baton Rouge. So after that, every successive defensive coordinator who played them is like, okay, we're not going to do that. We're just going to drop eight. We're going to drop everybody into coverage and force you to find those really tight windows and fit the ball into those tight windows and we're in a game that you can't do that. Even we did that, guys. By and large, that's how we tried to defend them back in 2020 when we almost lost that game in JT Daniels' first start, if you remember back to that game. If it wasn't for JT throwing for 400, being the first and to this point still only Georgia quarterback to throw for 400 yards and Kirby Smart, we lose that game. So everyone went to drop eight, right? And Mississippi State had a really tough time in 2020 figuring that out. And they had a really rough year record-wise because of that. And it's that drop eight scheme that's kind of necessitated this evolution of the Mississippi State offense that we've seen that kind of detailed you know, a few minutes ago for you guys. But watching this team play and seeing how they've adjusted and how they have evolved offensively to kind of just take what the defense is giving them, I no longer like the drop eight coverage as the primary answer and game plan for this Mississippi State Air Raid offense. But on the flip side, I also don't like bringing a bunch of extra pressure like like LSU did back in 2020 because they still have answers to that and that kind of plays into their hands when you do that. So what do you do? Well, I advocate kind of a middle ground here. I think you have to mix it up. That's one of the things against Mississippi State is like you can't be predictable. You can't just drop eight like 90% of the time. You can't blitz them 90 plus percent of the time like LSU did. You have to do a little bit of both and mix it up and keep them off balance. Don't be so predictable. And in over the course of the last three games that Mississippi State has played, I've watched each of these games multiple times. I've come to believe, you know, watching them play Alabama, watching them play Auburn last week, and watching them play Kentucky a couple weeks ago, I have come to believe that you really can't, man. Like you just you cannot just sit back in an eight-man zone coverage because Will Rogers, this is his third year in the system. He's very comfortable doing what they do, and he will just work the offenses way down the field if you just drop eight exclusively. What I believe you need to do, and this is what the team's last three weeks have done to great effect is I think you need to bring four pass rushers the majority of the time. Now, who those four rushers are and where they come from, that is what makes it difficult on them. But you need to bring four. And I think this is where not having Nolan Smith kind of hurts because I wish we had a great edge rusher. Because if we did, we could just feast in this game. Derek Hall had a freaking field day last week against those tackles for Mississippi State, especially their left tackle. I mean, those guys had no chance in that game. Will Anderson, Dallas Turner for Alabama, same story. Guys, last two games against Alabama and Auburn, Mississippi State has given up nine sacks combined in those two games. They've only given up 19 all year. So something's changed, right? When they play teams like legitimate pass rushers, they simply cannot protect the quarterback, and it's been a problem for them. And over the last three games, here are their total yardage numbers, okay? On the road at Kentucky, 225 yards total offense. On the road at Alabama, 293 yards total offense. At home against Auburn, 370 yards of total offense. 
the last three games have seen a dramatic decline in their offensive production. And I think that largely has to do with how they're being defended. They're not just sitting back. These defenses are not just sitting back dropping eight every single snap and make it easy on Will Rogers. They're mixing things up and doing some different things to keep this state offense off balance. Unfortunately, though, as I said, I just I don't know if we have those kind of like just legit edge rushers. I mean, Nolan could be that guy, obviously, but there's no Nolan Smith here. Robert Beal, I, he's a good player. I don't think he's a dynamic pass rusher. I made that pretty clear. I would like to see more of Jalen Walker, the freshman out inside linebacker, um, who's played more in third downs for us. I'd like to see more of him on the edge, like we do in our dime package, but maybe some of our nickel package as well. But it, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, it's probably a pipe dream for me. It's, it's going to be Robert Beal. It's going to be Chas Chambliss. Like it was against Tennessee. But personally, I do think it's worth the risk to get more pass rushers on the field because they just really do. They struggle tremendously on the edges right now, protecting Will Rogers. And, and Rogers, like most quarterbacks, really gets affected by the pass rush. I mean, his, he's a really accurate quarterback for the most part. It's one of the things that makes him a, a really good fit for that system. He's not a, a dynamic talent, but he's a really accurate quarterback, which is a big key for Mike Leach. But his decision-making and his accuracy again, like most quarterbacks, really take a hit when he has pressure. So I think getting pressure on him is important in this game. And I think that we can, because they don't protect especially well, at least they have not recently. And it's also, I think, very important. And this is something I kind of took away from, especially the Kentucky game and what Kentucky did to them defensively. I think it's very important to make it difficult for Will Rogers to get an accurate box count. Because like I told you at the beginning with this offense, Rodgers will check to a run. He's given the freedom to do that. They don't really call many like called run plays from the sideline, but Rodgers will check into it based on what he sees in the box. If he, only, if he only sees five defenders, he's going to check to a run and just take those gimme yards. What I really liked is what Kentucky did. I thought they had a masterful game plan. What Kentucky did is they, they just went with a ton of simulated pressure, like almost every single snap. And when I say simulated pressure, you guys know what I'm talking about. This is where like you, we do this all the time. Like Kirby Smart, our defense is like, we were like the pioneers of this, where you have inside linebackers, outside linebackers, sometimes star defenders, all pressed up at the line of scrimmage, looking like they're going to blitz, but some of them drop out, some of them come, maybe nobody comes. You're simulating pressure. You're giving the simulation that pressure is coming. They just don't know who's coming, where they're coming from, all those things. Kentucky did that all night long against Mississippi State and that was really effective because it screwed up the box count. Rodgers had no idea how many guys were actually going to stay in the box at the snap. You know, pre-snap it looked like you might have five or six guys or maybe seven guys. It, it was it changed every single play. So he couldn't really get an accurate read and sometimes he would check into a run and there still would be six or seven guys to stay in the box. Sometimes he wouldn't check into a run. There'll only be five guys and they're dropping eight into coverage and it just messed with what they were trying to do offensively, the rhythm, the flow everything. And given how much we use simulated pressure, I would advocate strongly that we use a lot of it in this game just like Kentucky did. Because that's how Kentucky held them to 225 total yards and 22 rush yards after they went for 306 combined rush yards against Arkansas and AM the two weeks prior to that. But I do think at the very least, we need to keep six in the box. And that's not usually how people defend Mike Leach's offense tradition since he's been in the SEC. He's usually a five-man box to drop an eight, right? I think we need to keep six in and rush four most of the time because they have become just like too comfortable, too effective taking the short, easy stuff and working their way down the field. You still have to drop eight occasionally. Again, you can't be predictable, but do it selectively to keep them off balance, but don't do it as a rule of thumb defending this Mississippi State offense. You've had to try to find a way to generate pressure because they really, really seem to struggle with that right now. All right, guys, let's go ahead and flip this over to the defensive side of the ball here for a few minutes, talking about the Mississippi State defense. 
This is not an elite unit. I, I would say they're solid. They're solid to good on defense. I have a lot of respect for the defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett. Um, they're sixth in total defense in the league right now. They're eighth in yards for play, ninth in scoring defense in the SEC, giving up 24 points a game. But they did hold Alabama. Now, we know this is not a vintage Alabama team. They did hold Alabama in Tuscaloosa to 290 total yards and only 29 yards rushing. So it, it's a kind of a middle-of-the-pack defense statistically, but they have the ability to really stifle pretty good offenses like Alabama's. Alabama's not a, a, a dominant offense this year, but they're but they're so good. They still have really good players. And I believe the best player, when scouting out this Mississippi State defense, I think the best player on their defense is number two, Tyrus Wheat. He is um, ostensibly an edge rusher, but they don't always use him as an edge rusher. He leads the team in sacks with five. He also leads the team in tackles for loss, seven and a half. And he's done that for two years now. This two years running, he's been the leader in sacks and TFLs for, for Mississippi State. But he's really versatile. He is, like again, ostensibly an edge rusher. But they'll move him around. He, he might play on the edge one snap. Or the next snap, he might be standing up in the middle of, of their defense. They move this guy around a lot. He might have his hand in the dirt one, st- one play. He might be standing up one play. He's moving around, kind of like the amoeba defense. They do a really good job of making it tough to predict where he's going to be and make it tough on an offense to, to really have a plan to take him out of the game. But he has to be priority number one because he is their most disruptive player by far on this defense. They also did just get back Jalen Crumity on the interior of the defensive line. Coming into the year, he was going to be one of their better defensive linemen, probably their best interior defensive lineman. But he's missed all the year up until last week. He is back, so that's certainly a kind of a shot in the arm for this defense. Gives a little more beef and strength on the interior of that defense. Uh, Nathaniel Watson is another guy, an inside linebacker for them. He's another veteran player. I mean, this is a really veteran defense. I mean, they returned 84% of their defensive production from last year coming in this year. That was top 10 nationally. And these guys have played a lot of football for them. But I do think that Nathaniel Watson, as a veteran, another senior on this team, is another really disruptive player for them on top of Tyrus Sweet. Now, he doesn't play the edge rusher position. He does it from the, from the middle of the defense as an inside linebacker. But he's got four sacks, six tackles of loss. Tackles for loss from that middle linebacker position. His running mate, Jet Johnson, is not as good of an athlete. I mean, he, he plays really hard, but he just generally lacks athleticism. I think it's a liability for them, especially in pass coverage. And look, all of these guys, whether it's it's Watson, whether it's Johnson, obviously Tyrus Wheat, one thing that makes this defense a little bit different is there's a ton of movement pre and post. I mean, they'll have guys, it seems like they're just walking around aimlessly on defense. But that's by design. They want to make it tough on the offense to get a read where these guys are coming from, who's coming, all those things. It's kind of their version of simulated pressure. It's kind of like it looks kind of like a days ago, but there, there's a method to the madness with this defense, and it's, it's really tough for offensive lines. It really stresses them trying to figure out who to block, who's the mic, all those kind of things. It just messes up all of those pre-snap reads. But they're they're really a veteran unit. They have a lot of guys that play a lot of football, but. As nice as that is, like you want to have that defensively, you want to be old on defense, sure, but more than that, you want to be talented. So while they do have a lot of veterans who play a lot of football, on the whole, they're not especially athletic or talented. Tyrus Sweet's a really good player. He's probably an NFL player, but they don't have a ton of those kind of guys on this roster. And they've also really struggled against physical run games, both home and away. So sometimes you say, well, yeah, on the road they've struggled, but at home they've also struggled against these physical run teams 
um, over the past couple of weeks. And you look at Auburn last week. Auburn ran for 256. Auburn struggled to run the football all year. Kentucky ran for 239. Kentucky coming to that game against Mississippi State a couple weeks ago was the worst rushing offense in the league. At least, I mean, they were averaging under 100 yards rushing that game. Chris Rodriguez went for almost 200 himself. He went for a buck 96. Arkansas, 241 yards. LSU, 207 yards. So against the better teams they played in the SEC, they've given up 200 plus yards like pretty routinely. And obviously that would bode well for a Georgia team, as I've been telling you for a couple weeks, is embracing who we are and we want to run the football the physical downhill rushing attack we're play action off of that so offensively I think this is a game where we should just lean fully into that run the football be physical at your big strong offensive line create some movement now they're going to be jacked up to play this game obviously like we're gonna get that treatment every time we go on the road it's just going to happen especially at night it's going to happen but one way to kind of counteract that is to just ram the ball down their throat with that physical downhill rushing attack especially against a Mississippi State team, this defense that has really struggled against teams that are even halfway decent at running the football. So yes, if I'm Todd Munkin, I run the ball early and often this game, which kind of neutralizes the, the the noise advantage they have there. Obviously, the quarterback, you don't have to worry about him trying to make those reads. You just hand the football off and just run the ball down their throat. Now, it's easier said than done because they're going to be jacked up and they know who we are. They know what we want to do, but they also know who Auburn was. They know that Auburn can't throw the football to save their freaking lives and they couldn't stop them last week. They know who LSU is. They couldn't stop LSU. They know who Arkansas is. They couldn't stop Arkansas. I mean, Will Levis, guys, can't throw the football at all. I mean, they have no receivers at Kentucky, and Kentucky just rammed the ball down their throat, and they could not stop it. So I do not know why we would do anything other than that. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. I'm going to give you a couple quick keys to this game, and this is going to sound very familiar because as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we've already seen a similar setup on the road in a smaller stadium in a kind of an obscure place at night against a team that everyone expects you to just blow out of the water. We saw this same story earlier in the year on the road in Columbia, Missouri. And why did we almost lose that game? Why did we get ourselves in such a dangerous position? Well, two things. Number one, not scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Number two, turning the ball over. And then I'll add in to number three, allowing big plays on defense. Those are three of the key ingredients to the recipe for a home upset against the number one ranked team in the country. If you can force turnovers, win the turnover battle, if you can force them to kick field goals in the red zone, and you can create big plays on offense where you don't have to go consistently down the field 10, 11, 12 plays, that's how you pull an upset at home. Get the crowd into it, get them fired up, and you get the number one team in the country on the ropes in your place. So in this game, if we basically just do the opposite of what we did on the road earlier in the year against Missouri, if we score touchdowns in the red zone, if we win the turnover battle, we force turnovers and don't give them the ball, don't give them short fields, don't give up big plays, just like we did against Tennessee, did a fantastic job of limiting them, only had one play of 20 or more yards in that game. If we win the battle in all three of those phases, big plays, turnovers, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, we will take this crowd of the game very early and they might be filing out by halftime. But like we did against Missouri, if we're kicking field goals in the red zone, if we're turning the ball over, giving them easy scores, if we're giving up big plays, then we might be in for the fight of our lives yet again on the road at night in a loud SEC environment. But all right, guys, that's all I got for you today. Charlie and I will be back at the end of the week to wrap things up and that's where we will give you our official 
picks for this Georgia Mississippi State football game. So make sure to check back for that. We had a great week betting last week, guys. Had probably, I don't know if last week was my, actually two weeks ago was my best week. This is my second best week this past week. So we'll have a lot more winners to give out for you guys this week. You can put, some, put them to use at my bookie. But thank you for being here, guys. Always appreciate each and every one of you. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.